All right. Happy Sunday, everyone. Jurassic Views here with a long pod. We are finishing up Black History Month, although as we've learned from the NBA and so many others, Black History Month is always. Uh, but we are finishing up February Black History Month with uh, another, another mm. podcast, this time on a WNBA star, uh, uh, one of the great, well-known players in the 90s, uh, for women's college basketball, the the first and only ever woman on the cover of Slam magazine, Shamiqua Holdsgla is the person who we are focusing on uh, this podcast, and uh, pretty excited about it. I was late, Zaya, to uh, the Shamiqua party here. Uh, when I was growing up, I was hearing about Cheryl Swoops and Lisa Leslie, and then had this, had this gap uh, when I went off to university, had this gap where I didn't really get into to, to watching too much uh, basketball. Uh, you know, Vince had left, and it wasn't until uh, a Raptors sister, who arguably was a better player than this Raptor player, won't mention his name, uh, Candace Parker, when she came on the scene, uh, I, I, yes, yes, then yes. my ear was once again in tune to the women's game. Uh, but this woman, Shamiqua, is certainly goes beyond uh, and breaks uh, gender stereotypes and the division between men and women in basketball. My friend, you knew about her and you took a deep dive for this podcast. Uh, how are you feeling to be able to, to present this? And, and what were some of your feelings when you were growing up watching her? Uh, Shamika Holsklaw, if you were coming up in the 90s in the basketball uh, rotunda, uh, you couldn't avoid uh, knowing her. Uh, she grew up in the New York City basketball scene, uh, Queens in specific who produced some of the phenoms that we know now, Kenny Anderson, Lamar Odom, Meta, World Peace, Sue Bird, um, uh, at Christ the King High Big School. And but, and, but more importantly, I mean, you know, like you said, I owned, I was described as a, you know, preteen to Slam Magazine. And so I received this art, you know, this magazine in 99 with, with her on the cover of, uh, wearing a New York Knicks jersey. With Charles Sprewell. And, yeah, and, and it, was, uh, it was defiant. It was audacious. Uh, the cover uh, read, uh, is the NBA ready for Shamika Holsklaw? Um, and, you know, the article was written uh, by uh, Michael Bradley. And I think, you know, it, you know catchy, catchy, you know, title, you know, I had Shamika shall inherit the earth. But I think the subtitle was just as important. It, it read, everyone's wondering who's going to hold down the basketball world when Jordan steps down. Wonder no wow. more. And, and I think, you, you know, I, I'll, go, I'll go into more specifics in terms of how she made me think and, and, and feel about basketball in general, but also how to shift my own paradigm as it related to women basketball. Um, 
but uh, we knew that period, right? That post Jordan era were, that we were approaching in the, in the in the late '90s, and the NBA and basketball world was trying to figure out what it was going to. David become, Stern was right? nervous entering man. in. <laughs> my gosh right like we were you know we you know going into a new century as the game was continuing to grow globally uh we were looking at the kobe bryant's of the world the alan iverson's of the world uh vince carter also came a into new the millennium scene. um it was a new millennium i you know you, and, but we were also throwing all all sorts of people mm-hmm. on the on the uh, on the on the board, I mean Jerry Stackhouse got you know KG got, got some talk. KG uh, was obviously up there, it, but it w- we went beyond the yeah, board, yeah. right? In terms of performance, it was also marketability, yeah. and that was key. Uh, and how would we pivot from this uh, this kind of uh, this this hierarchy of of Jordan on top, the dominance that he showcased during the '90s, and how are we going to bring that same type of appeal to a greater audience. I think the NBA has reinvented itself. I think the WNBA has also reinvented itself in terms of a multi-platform star marketing uh, strategy rather than just being dependent on just one. Uh, I still think LeBron truthers will still (laughs) say say that he's the GOAT and yada, yada, yada. I get it. Um, And going back, some people will say Jordan is still having an impact today, i.e. we could see in terms of the documentary. But Shemeika Holsclaw was that player also being named, also being mentioned. And it wasn't and it wasn't uh, virtue signaling here. Right. In terms of just trying to force. Um, the women's game onto the public. No, 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 no. If you saw her play the game, um, I remember growing up, I said to myself, um, naively, Bryce, I was like, I can take Steve Kerr, right? I was like, I could take Steve Kerr and I could take John Stockton. At 12 years old, I was telling myself that, right? Now, was there racial implications there in terms of um and 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 the style of play that they these two guys demonstrated that a 11 year 11 year old 12 year old kid from in montreal will say to himself yo i could take a steve Kerr, yeah, Je- jeb buchler was the one who was targeted in my neighborhood <laughs> you see that guy at the golf course but, we can take him down yeah exactly exactly um uh, seeing that guy at the ymca no way you could you can cross me over. Um, but she made the whole score with someone I said to myself, right. nah, she'll, she'll, dis- she'll right. destroy me. And, and that suddenly, I didn't know at that time, I don't think I had the language, uh, but suddenly, you know, you sh- what that introduced, and at least on this, uh, in, in, in the scenes that she was frequenting, guys knew that women w- could ball just as well as they could. And I think there was a quote by Ron Artest in a, in a documentary uh, titled Mind Game that focuses on Shamika Hoskla, um, saying that, you know, they were playing on the same team at one point. Uh, she was maybe a year or two older than uh, Meta World Peace, um, formerly known as Ron Artest. Uh, I do want to say that Shamika uh, still calls, refers to Meta World Peace as Ron, Ron. And so, Ron, you know, Meta World Peace in this uh in his interview says, um, you know, I was, I was playing, you know, I was one of the tallest players, uh, you know, on the team and I was, you know, bodying her and she, 
she commented and said, oh, you want to play big now? <laughs> that's how, <laughs> right? And so that's how she cut yeah. her teeth, right? Uh, she was uh, just as physical and, and, she, in ter- and, and, and in terms of stature, she was uh, at her age at 14, 15. She wasn't playing just amongst um, girls her age. She was playing with the boys yep. her age. Right. And the young men her age. And so um, and to the point where she, you know, also developed a level of competitive nature, uh, which I'll go, kind of go in to see to, to, to state how that even evolved when she arrived at Tennessee. But uh, in terms of what she had built up for herself in high school, I, I know in the New York City scene, uh, Bryce, I. Uh, High school basketball is everything, right? Uh, we I don't know if this era today will ever produce the same type of phenom because of how the AAU scene and circuit has really commercialized and you know I think overrun uh, high school basketball. But you made your name in high school basketball, whether you were uh, the Tiny Archibalds, uh, the uh, Stefan Marbury's. The we earlier talked about. Um, God Sham God. Uh, God Sham God, exactly. Um, Lamar Odom, I already mentioned, uh, but um, I went, because I modeled myself after the New York City point guard, um, it was the Mecca. So, you know, I followed even low tier guys like Omar Cook and Eric Barkley, who were uh, Speedy, uh, Speedy Claxton, uh, who was later uh, drafted by this, you know, Philadelphia uh, 76ers, lesser known guys, but because of their game and the little tapes that we got on VHS, we were like, oh, this is how you should play. But Shamika was also molded yep. by that type of play at 6'2", Price, she was a point forward. She was your kind of Scottie Pippen because in the women's game, you're not playing the point guard position you're playing more of a you know small forward power forward but her game was so finesse um she would bring it up she would bring the ball up the court she would cross you over she would you know do a step back she would go into the post she would make a no look pass and i mean if you're if you're a fan of basketball you 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 would regardless of gender here you were going to um she would get you off your, off your feet. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there was this game that uh, this, you know, sports writer, William Roden uh, wrote, uh, you know, this is like a uh, t- basketball tournament, high school tournament uh, in, on the road, you know, back in 94, you know, she goes into this um, uh, tournament against uh, Altoona high school. And uh First half, she scores like 23 points. She she makes her first 12 buckets. And you can see from the footages on this tape, Bryce, that she, there's nobody on the right. court that can hold her. I would go as far as to say there's probably nobody in the gym that can hold her. She's she's just in the zone and 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 as the kids say, bodying men's, right? In this case, she was bodying women's. Um and at the end of the game, she scores 30 points, 11 rebounds, seven, you know, has seven blocks, two assists, three steals. The, you know, the game's over by the halftime, you know. So the end of the score was 79-42. But 
it was games like that that you know wrote in this New York Times sports writer says it started to it started to morph into the myth of who she was yeah. going to become, right? Um, and you know, in high school basketball, you know, the 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 accolades she's receiving is Player of the mm-hmm. Year awards. Um, that's starting to come up from her sophomore year, junior year, into her senior year at um, Christ the King. We're talking winning state championships. We're talking about uh, winning McDonald's All-American awards. We're also talking about being recruited by some of the top schools in the country. But we also have to be uh, talking about Shamika's upbringing. You know, she was being raised at the time by her grandmother, uh, Mrs. June Holtzclaw. Uh, her parents uh, were not uh, stable emotionally, uh, and we were we are going to talk about this. Um, and, and they were also facing some of their own demons, and so um, uh, that really impacted her. And 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 how she would how she will explain, you know, it held a lot of em- uh, mental and emotional mm-hmm. resentment. And that she was bottling up and she used yeah. basketball as that coping mechanism. And, uh, and this, this, and, and you know, how you have to, we have to talk about how resilient mm. some, some people are because this is happening in her, in her teenage years. And she really never addresses it until she goes into uh, in the university, her professional career. Yeah, there were, even, yeah, even there was past, some, yeah, it, 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 yeah, it seemed Sorry. like her and her coach had this understanding that, you know, there were shifts, there was some questions, there was, are you okay? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and she, she yeah. was, uh, you know, suppressing th- her emotions and her needs, because she, she had to keep focused, she had to you know, make that, get that big contract, get drafted by the WNBA. And you're right. There was a lot of resiliency, but even at that time, there was this understanding that there was more going on yet. It wasn't, uh, uh, really, uh, considered in a way that it it needed. Right. Exactly. And, you know, uh, regardless of, you know, of, of what she was experiencing privately, I mean, what she, produced on the court was still at a, such a high, excellent level. You know, her first year uh, as a freshman at Tennessee, um, she, uh, they yeah. won the title, you know, the, the NCAA uh, title. And, and this is probably where the Lady Vols, the Tennessee, well, they, they start kind of creating <laughs> this kind of era of yeah. dominance in an NCAA basketball, right? Uh, just like uh, the Kentucky Wildcats cats with, uh, with um, um, Patino. Uh, Patino, uh, thanks no for way. catching me there. Um, uh, this era of dominance with Pat Summit and her coaching crew. But she, you know, uh, she, she, has, uh, in, she has 16 points, six of 16, from the field and 14 rebounds in, in the finals. She's considered the player of the game her wow. freshman year. Right. And just to, and just to think, oh, okay, maybe this is, this is just a one-off. Uh, she just, you know, got lucky. Uh, no, you know, the, the subsequent year, her sophomore year, she leads the Tennessee to the second straight NCAA championship. And they, and they go undefeated uh, where, I think, that year as well. Bryce, Bryce they wow. go undefeated, man. 
they go undefeated. Uh, for, uh, first time a woman is named as an ESPN wow. Player of the Week that year. Um, she she is um, considered. You know, she wins the Player of the Year accolades. Uh, she wins awards also that, regardless of gender, right? As as a collegiate right. athlete, um, and, and this is where we're starting to see. And and, and again. Both of us grew up in the 90s watching basketball. And we've also just finished uh, some pod episodes on to, you know, legendary African-American college coaches. So we were really attuned to the college men's game, and but not really the women's game. But I would still have to say that I was mm-hmm. aware that Tennessee were, were winning. I was aware of mm-hmm. Pat Summit and I was aware of Shamika because you couldn't avoid right. her. Right. She had, you know, it, she was a part of the discourse. However, whether she was a was she a priority in the discourse? Not not much, but she was still there. And. And so, you know, in college basketball, as we know, in, in the U.S., that's where myth making and, you know, and all of all of that is coming up. But one thing that we did talk about earlier that we omitted, you talked about growing up and you knew Lisa Leslie uh, and whatnot. But one but. One one uh, player that we didn't mention, and um, and she also had a brother who in the NBA, and you would know this is yeah. Cheryl Miller, right? And 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 Reggie Miller, uh, mad respect to him. He will always be honest about this: that Cheryl Miller was a better basketball player than he was right. growing up, and and she was a dominant force at, in college basketball and the USC. The only difference is that there wasn't a league at that time and a platform for us to actually see Cheryl Miller uh, ascend to the same type of scale of notoriety. I will only bring that up because I, that's the correlation with Shimika Holskaw that she was developing as the, as the women's game was, was growing yep. in popularity and the platform was 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 going to be more amplified with the WNBA finally um, uh, being created. Uh, it was just a natural jump for Shamika to be um, to, to to ascend to that kind of prodigy level, right? Definitely, man. Definitely, uh, it's it's interesting, you know, with 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 sports for um, for women. Uh, when th- when things yeah. get started and how they get started and you know even Cheryl Swoops and Lisa Leslie I think they were two of the first uh, players who I think they were part of that first drafting that happens yes. Uh, yes. in the, in the 90s um, but what's interesting is you already have uh, well-known female track athletes well-known female uh, women uh, tennis stars, um, even well-known uh, golf players, right? In in earlier years and earlier decades, and yet the the WNBA is kind of late on the scene. And uh, I I don't think we can talk about the WNBA and and its development or its ascension into the professional sports world without getting into race, right? Tennis is a white women's sport traditionally so is te- uh, so is golf uh track and field uh was something that was popular in europe and so was soccer and so these sports were developed for women earlier because 
you know, white women were, were asking or demanding it to happen. Not so in, in, in the sport of basketball with African-American women dominating that sport. There wasn't that same push. And it's, it's incredibly disappointing when you mention someone like Cheryl Miller, but even Shamika Holtzclaw. I should have known her. I should have known her as a basketball fan. She should have been a household name. Uh, what were some of the guys talking about when you were growing up in respect to Shamiqua? Obviously, you grew up in a different area of, of the GTA. Uh, you grew up in, in a, a, you know, in a school that had a different demographic. Mine was predominantly white. Um, what was that like, man? Yeah, I think I also benefited from having two older sisters. Yeah, right. Yeah, for I, sure. I, I, uh, they they were also athletic, uh, whether it be you know, track, basketball, uh, and also very artistic. And so they were expressing themselves in so many ways. So I, I think um, if even if I my default was still to fall into kind of generic, stereotypical gender, uh, uh, drawing to gender conclusions, stereotypical conclusions, they, you know, the, the fight back was like, that's great right there, yeah. right? They, could, they can completely dismiss it or critique me. And yet, uh, but we're talking about a world that was still very slow to, uh, you know, in inclusivity and 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 deconstructing those old molds, right? And so, um, I think the language, I think it was quite important that we address because, you know, the way we talk about women's sports, um, and I believe, and Shamika was very much, a, you know, a product of that, right? We would, you know, someone like Shamika would be. Um, an aberration, mm. right? She's right. that good. Oh, okay, she, you know, she's she's tomboyish, yeah. or she's she's not ladylike, yeah. like right. Uh, her she has, uh, she plays like a guy, right? She has those moves because of where she kind of grew up, the guys that she kind of grew yeah. up with. Um, and and I mean, we go down a, a, a dark road where you know we're then you know talking about body image yeah. and. Um, and sexual orientation. And I think it's important that, um, you know, not just women, but black women specifically have kind of reclaimed their identities mm. in sports. And uh, we're starting, we're obviously seeing that with Venus Williams right. and this, and now Serena Williams. Um, and, um, and I, but I, but that's now, right? Shamika was doing that back in the nineties and early two thousands where I still don't think we were very comfortable with the changing of the guard, right? The, you know, and, and uh, the different, the shifting, the societal shifts that were, were, that were happening. I mean, this Shamika was having the Nike endorsements. There was this funny uh, Gatorade uh, commercial that, you know, um, you know, uh, you have Michael Jordan on the uh, golf course, and his um, what's the uh, what's the name of the guy Bill Murray. Uh, who carries the bag? No, the not of Bill Murray that carries the bag of the golfer. The caddy. Uh, the, the caddy. There you go. Uh, so you got this caddy who says, uh, "Hey, George, uh, hey, Michael, have you seen Shamika Holslaw?" And he's like, "Yeah." He's like, "No, no, no, no." But like, you know. And then he's kind of just going on a tirade of how great she is. And, you know, and, 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 you know, people are saying, oh, she's going to, you know, she's going to have a commercial, like, I want to be like Meek. And, you know, there's all this kind of marketing yeah. push. But at the end of the day, we know very well that um, 
uh, Shaniko and like her counterparts couldn't couldn't even couldn't even be compensated as well as their male counterparts and had to play professionally overseas. Yeah. Um, so after the WNBA season, playing 40, 40 games or less during the summer into the September would play um, the fall and winter in, yeah. in Europe where most of them probably made more money than they would in, playing in the U.S. Yeah, I mean, I, right? I was, so I was you, reading about her Nike contract and when she got drafted, I think it was 99, she gets drafted in the WNBA by the Washington Mystics. And, Mystics, and she, yeah. uh, there's this, there's this uh, conversation around what that contract is, is going to be. Of course, three, year la- three years later, we know LeBron James got $90 million from Nike as an 18-year-old. Shamiqua, it was said, oh, maybe she'll get a million, maybe she'll get a million. Now, the contract never came out. But it was her her agent said it was more like in the two hundred thousand range. So here's at the time the greatest uh, woman basketball player who's going to take the WNBA and is going to take the game of basketball in the United States to a higher level. She's not even making a million dollars for her endorsements, uh, as you said. Okay, so you know yeah, the, yeah, they're ahead, they're playing in two different leagues. Um, and it's, it's unfortunate and it's not like this isn't continuing to happen. We have our greatest star here in Canada, Kia nurse. Uh, what is she doing in her off season? She is like the main, uh, kind of third person, uh, sometimes, you know, a complimenting fourth person in a discussion of the Raptors. Uh, and she's doing that. Let's be honest but yeah she's doing that in part because she needs to make more cash because her career isn't going to be as long if she has uh pressures as a woman to to have children in her early 30s and uh she's not going to make the money she's not making a million dollars a season now and this is the best canadian basketball player if jamal murray was only making a million dollars a year We'd be like, this is a you know an outrage. This is highway robbery. How is our Canadian player uh, being treated like that? Um, wow, what what a difference! What a sh- what a shame! Um, what a scandal! And just and just and just in case you know someone will say, okay, was she uh, in '99? You know, she gets drafted to the Washington Mystics. Uh, is she worthy of that type of endorsement? Well, you know, let's let let's you know her stats. Right, like she's averaging her rookie year, sixteen point nine, um, in uh, points per game, uh, seven, you know, just under eight rebounds per game, just under three assists per game. Uh, the following year, you know, seventeen point five points per game, uh, just under eight rebounds. You know, uh, same uh, in terms of you know, uh, just under six uh, assists. Um, uh, she she is winning the uh, rookie of the year accolades, uh, she, followed by uh, being a starter in the All Star game. Uh, she continues to her probably apexes in two thousand and three season with the with the Mystics, where she's averaging tw- you know twenty point five uh, points per game, ten point nine rebounds per game. She's a small forward, Bryce, so she is uh, you know like her uh, when you're watching the game uh, again, it's like this. Um, we 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 now talk about how 
you know, the wing, these these three and D wings are dominating the game. The LeBrons, the Kawhi Leonard's, yeah. right? The 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 versatile forwards like the Pascal Siakams. This is what she's doing practically early in her career uh, with the Mystics. Um, and uh, so, so when we're talking about compensation and labor rights, we also have to then talk about the intersectionality of gender and then and then and then race as well. Uh, because when people say, "Well, you know, are, is the is the game entertaining enough?" Then I don't understand what you're watching, right? Because it is entertaining enough. Um, and there's always ways in which I think we're trying to um, jiggy around that conversation and that topic about com- compensation. I remember this terrible take that Tracy McGrady uh, made on the jump once. And uh, uh, this was a couple of years ago. This is obviously with, um, with Rachel Nichols, um, Rachel Nichols uh, the jump and, she, and um, Tracy McGrady, I, I'm sure he's walked away from the statement, but he did say something like, you know, should the, you know, should the WNBA lower the rims lower enough in order for the women to dunk it? dunk the ball so maybe that could be a bit more entertaining and i'm like that is probably the stupidest yeah. statement i've heard as it relates to the yeah because i guess JJ, i guess there should be a different rim for jj barrera then in the nba that's yeah. yeah like uh, do i watch kyle lowry because of his athletics prowess yeah. and, and dunking exactly. the ball uh, you know and, and i think that and I, that the echoes the the kind of posture when it comes down to changing the the, the goalpost and measuring and met the and uh, the the women's game, right? We're saying, well, it's not entertaining enough, like the bat, like the men's basketball. Well, what are we watch? What what's what are what's the qualities are we watching in basketball for us to, to determine uh, its worth, yeah. right? And so I think it has a lot to do with. Um, the institution, right, of basketball, whether it's sports journalists, the league itself, WNBA, as well as NBA, the unions, um, the, the, the endorsements from the, the, the apparel companies, it's at the fans, I think, you know, I think, the, I think the shift is happening. But going back to Shamika, right, um, uh, I'm trying to wrap my mind around, okay, you are someone who is at this, you're the, 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 the high profile player, the phenom, someone who is um, being uh, labeled as like the chosen one, not just in women's sports, but in this post Jordan era of basketball, right? The mental pressures that come yeah. along with that, right? We talk about already, you know, some of the challenges she was even having in college. She talked about Pat, you know, Pat Summit always riding her and pushing her. And I, I think there is something to be said about, you know, the pressures that great players go through that, that we don't talk enough. And, you know, there was a trainer at Tennessee uh, that was on her team and that made this great quote in the, in that documentary I mentioned earlier, mind games. Um, she said that with greatness comes all of these obligations. Right. And I'm like, you know, you're talking about a girl who, uh, doesn't have um, her parents um, as 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 uh, as um, support networks, right? Because of what they're going through during her teenage years. The 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 the, the person who's really uh, carrying that for her is um, is her grandmother, 
right? She she often talked about the public face, the mask that she had yeah. to put on and, and what she had to kind of cope with internally. Um, you're, you're donned as the, the, the you know, the, 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 the messi- messianic figure for the, the game going into the new century. You're not compensated accordingly no. um, uh, in, in, in your own kind of home country in the league. You, you have to play, whether it's in Spain, as we later find out, as well as Poland. Uh, in Poland. Oh yep. Right. So um, uh, her bouts with uh, not just uh, clinical depression, but um, right. what later is reported to bipolar uh, um it was really showing its face during her playing career, but we didn't really know. Uh, so, it, um, but this is all, you know, this all uh, is uh, ha- um, kind of brought up, come to, uh, uh, mm-hmm. shown it comes to the light after, in post career. But 2003, uh, she, uh, uh, she, you know, having a stellar, stellar season, but uh, she fails to show up right. for the uh, the last month of the season as well, and onto the playoffs and uh there's still kind of um at that time at least kind of uh questions about her you know not just disappearance or absence we don't really know it's all you know it's all you know kind of pri- let it's private um now that happens again even when she goes to the los angeles sparks um, it happens for about two weeks span in 2006, right? Where, you know, and now at the time, it's just saying, you know, it's for serious illness related to her father and stepfather. But in the documentary, she later says, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, was, I, was, right. I was going down a hole, right? Emotionally, uh, it was tough for me to manage. Yeah. Basketball just wasn't enough as that coping mechanism yeah. uh, as when I, was, when I was growing up. And yeah, Bryce, when you know when we hear stuff like that now, and when we hear something like when a, uh, you know I don't again I still want to make this part about um, Shimika Holslaw, but the way she's been very open about her life and articulate about her own story, it asks it, it challenges us as fans of the sport and of the game to ask us different how we talk about players. Right when Kyrie Irving doesn't show up for the the Nets, right, and we have all this kind of criticism, you know, flooding uh, the Twitter feeds and journalists questioning his commitment to the game. Goodness gracious, don't we already have kind of a template as to how we can deal and navigate these kind of issues? Right, that these athletes aren't these uh, these gods uh, or mm. these. Um, these superhumans that we want them to be, right? And so for someone who's supposed to be the face of women basketball, I think she was starting to uh, find the pressure, right? Of how is she managing what's happening in her personal life, what's happening as a sports figure, and also basketball not bringing the same type of uh, uh, jolt of excitement of joy that she expected it to do in earlier in her career. Um, you know, as she, you know, she, she jumps to the Atlanta, yeah. you know, she, she retires initially. Right. And uh, in 2007, and then uh, joins Dream. the Hawks. Um, sorry, I should say 
the Atlanta dream. <laughs> it's in it's in Atlanta, um, and and then has a small stint, a short stint in um, the San uh, San Antonio, uh, in San Antonio, um, uh, the, uh, later down down the road. But and then all this least, during that yeah. same time, I do have to say she's still going overseas, right, um, in in Poland to play competitively. Um, and yet, I, I believe during these shifts, um, the bouts with depression and bipolar um, is mm. having a much more salient effect um, on her life. Uh, in in two thousand and thirteen, she's uh, she faced uh, assault charges, uh, which she later pleaded guilty uh, for. Um, uh, Kind of a, a, a charges uh, that was laid upon yeah, her. Yeah, all, by all her of them are, are time, focused like on Lacey. property uh, damage. She, uh, there's, she doesn't. She doesn't actually injure or touch. Yeah, her partner. exactly. Yeah, her partner. Uh, yeah, so it's you know six accounts of criminal damage. I want to be very careful in saying stating that and firearm use. Um, um, and, you know, I, I think it's important that we go into, you know, how we then, uh, talk about, um, Shemika Hosla at that time, at least, you know, there's, uh, articles being written about her that are questioning, you know, the, the erratic behavior, uh, the, you know, how she's taken a detour from being this kind of promising star to being, you know, this, 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 this um, this troubled um, and uh, celebrity, right? And uh, and again, I, I think there's there's and there's no mercy in, in in the public sphere as it relates to individuals of her platform. And I and I think because she's also uh, a black woman at the scene, we also don't have any precedent. So I believe you know. Um, this is, and I was paying attention to when she was coming into the, uh, you know, sports writers were writing about her, you know, in terms of, you know, this is a talent, you know, yeah. spoiled talent, right? She could have done so much more in, with what with her career, um, and you know, comparing her to some of her counterparts. So, um, as a, I, I, I'm not a journalist, so I think as fans we need to be kept accountable. But mm -hmm. I would have to put pressure on the, on journalists that they also need to be accountable, that they need to be very careful in terms of the language that they use in describing athletes who they don't know what they're going through despite the access that they have. And so uh, Shamika, again, to me was a forerunner as it related to the intersectionality of, sub su of subject matters and how we have to talk about sports. It's not just you know the performance on the field, but it's everything that comes with it. It's the business, it's the intersection of personal life. And uh, it's the politics around it. You talked about labor rights earlier, right? And she even has a, Dr. Da David Satcher, who was a psychiatrist, but also the U.S. Uh, Surgeon General between 1998 and 2002, commenting on her advocacy because um, he he played a he was on a, a commission for the NFL as it related to brain um, brain injury. Uh, but talked about the destigmatization of mental illness and and what her work and her what she continues to do as being very uh, critical um, as it relates to sports because 
Um, you know, actually, Shimika mentions, you know, hey, we talk about mental, mental wellness on teams. Yes, teams have uh, sports psychologists. But at the end of the day, um, athletes know that they are not going to confide in right. some of these sports psychologists because they're hired by the team. And the team from the general manager to the coach are privy to the information of what is going to be shared with this sports psychologist, right? And so not enough effort. And she would even go as far as to say for black athletes to share what is going on, because we know once uh, something so private um, right. um, is shared, sometimes it can be used against them, right? And, um, and that can impact your, your one's revenue stream, whether it's your endorsements or the next contract, um, and you're hopping around from team to team. We've already talked about what the power of of of, of being blackballed uh, in speaking to the story about uh, Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. Um, so please, um, you know, when it comes down to now, you know, waving a flag for okay, of hiring a sports psychologist and thinking that that's just enough for an athlete, it isn't. And so um, I, there's, you know, there was uh, the scene in the, in the documentary where she's running these like mental health basketball clinics, Bryce. And I'm like, and she's talking about how to, how to pro with these girls, with little girls, like maybe five years old to eight years old and talking about how to process emotions while you're playing basketball. I was like, goodness oh, gracious, Bryce, I would have benefited from that as a kid, right? <laughs> how do you process that when you're getting benched? You know, when the coach isn't, you know, when you, when you are, when, you know, you have confidence issues, whether you're, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're, this is your first year on the team and you're not playing as well. And, um, and we, 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 you know, we talk about this all the time, right? Um, such and such on the Toronto Raptors just doesn't have confidence and he needs to be benched, right? Um, well, what does that happen? What does that do to one's mental health, right? And, 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 and how is that correlated to one's performance, right? And so, um, so I think, you know, I, I think we've, if we talk about the legacy of Shamika Hosla, I think we need to talk about how once she's reinvented herself, we know in 2018, she's uh, inducted in the Women's Hall of Fame uh, in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, but we also have to talk about what impact she's had on the game. I, I think um, there's so, I could, you know, there's a laundry list of NBA or actually I would say basketball phenoms who never made it. And whether they were, uh, they did so well in high school or in college and we didn't hear anything about them. And we used some, we used kind of labels to say, well, you know what, they underachieved, right? And, but we don't really know the intricacies of what led to that. And I think, I think she, in terms of her legacy has impacted the discourse on how we talk about um, greatness, what are we, how do we measure it? And, and also for black, for black women, you know, uh, we, we're, we're, we're seeing black women celebrated now in ways that we didn't 10, 20 years ago, right? Um, and I think we're still at the precipice. I still think there's more, um, there's more for us to gain from this, from uh, from moving forward, where you know, as it relates to women's sports and the impact Black women have on the sport, and what we can learn from Shanika Holslaw and what she has kind of how her life, uh, the, uh, all of it, uh, all of it, the good, the bad, and and the beautiful, 
um, and what and what we can and how we can improve the way in which we narrate uh, athletes, black athletes, black women athletes. Um, but I still think there's still significant um, hurdles that we need to overcome. Uh, I know I went a little bit longer, but I, I you know, as we end this month, I, I, I think um, uh, uh, I think I've, I'm I'm appreciative. I think a lot more of now learning more about her story because I'm humbled at at how much she's actually had to navigate and 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 survive, and um, and how much I think I need to change even as a fan in terms of how I relate to the game that I've always loved since childhood and and the type of expectation I have on on these athletes who who I don't know are I don't know what they're navigating privately and how that may be connected yeah, to Yeah, I think their performance this story of of Shamiqua and certainly uh you know in in the in a bigger sense the WNBA I think there's a challenge here for those who are NBA fans. I think there's a challenge here for those uh, who are maybe, you know, male dominated uh, in their understanding of, of the game and of life. I think the challenge is that uh, we need to listen to the WNBA uh, stories and what they're doing to help inform us of where the NBA needs to go. Um, you know, in, in a few months, we're, we're going to, talk about pride month and we're going to focus in on some important uh, players and, and moments in the NBA surrounding the gang queer community. And the WNBA is light years ahead of the NBA. And uh, we will definitely, yeah, we, we will definitely uh, be looking yep. at WNBA uh, decisions, but also uh, the voices of WNBA players. But I think what I've learned here is that challenge. We have to be listening to the WNBA because they are more savvy. They are more courageous in their ability to share in their weaknesses, which I think is a strength, and uh, to be able to share about the humanity uh, you know, what it takes for you to actually uh, play the game of basketball within the spotlight and, and to be able to break barriers. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't also say, knowing that it's Black History Month and that, you know, this podcast is focused around uh, the NBA. Shamiqua Holdsclaw's story um, reminds us uh, that these things, while they've, you know, some of these conversations around justice issues have, 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 have taken up a lot of space, we still have situations like we did this week with Latan Ibrahimovic calling out LeBron James and telling him to just stick to the game of basketball. Um, and I think there's probably many when Shamiku was playing who said, just stick to the game of basketball. And to those critics of Shamiqua and to Zlatan in particular, um, my friend, shut the hell up and listen to the voices uh, like LeBron James. Uh, for us NBA fans centered around the NBA, shut up and listen to the WNBA voices. If we don't, uh, not only are we going to miss something 
in 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 caring for the humanity of these players. I think we're gonna we're gonna miss out on moments in history that could be uh, transformational. So I, I really appreciate. Uh, what you brought to the table this week. I thank you for bringing this story of, of Shamiqua and centering it uh, to, to conclude Black History Month. It is a necessary uh, story. She is a necessary person within uh, the canon of NBA and, and basketball uh, scripture. Yeah, and uh, thanks, Bryce, and um, and thanks to uh, um, you know Shamika for uh, her, con- her 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 continued um, life story that she continues to live out loud and and yeah. uh, and shares uh, with us. And uh, I think it would also be apropos that uh, my final words is to quote a. Uh, uh, black woman abolitionist and women's rights advocate um, from the 1800s, um, Mar- Maria Stewart. And uh, the quote goes, how long shall the fair daughters of Africa be compelled to bury their minds and talents beneath a load of iron pots and kettles? And it's with that, I say, uh, Mad respect and love, uh, and uh, thank you for those who listen to this. And uh, if you want more resources, uh, feel free to send us a DM. We'd be happy to send you titles of books that could continue to enrich uh, you as much as it's continuing to enrich us, because we're still learning and we're still on the path of of, uh, of evolving. Definitely, so, Black uh, History Month. As, as uh, I said at the away. beginning, that we've learned from Steph and so many others, obviously. Black History Month, as always, may we continue to to learn about uh, in, important uh, players and and uh, coaches within the game, but obviously uh, within the world of politics and and of life. Uh, for for you, Zaya, to you, Zaya, and to our listeners, stay safe, enjoy the rest of the weekend, and we'll see you back here in a post game later on this week. Peace. That's it.